Hey, y'all. We're coming to you on a non-broadcast day because, well, this is a broadcast day now. We've been working on bringing you more slow burn spooky stories, and we're ready to be a twice monthly show. You might have to cut us a little slack as we adjust to this new production schedule, but you've probably noticed us soft launching second monthly stories here on the feed. These stories will often be shorter, and they're a great way for us to share some of the fantastic submissions we get. And do not worry, our patrons still get an additional monthly story. So if you're thinking, man, two stories is great, but what about three? Come join us over on Patreon. I'll link it in the show notes. We have a lot of fun and we have even more spooky stories to tell you. This month's second story is Deeper Into the Abyss by Drew Buxton. Narrated by Nate DeFort. Enjoy the show. Deeper into the abyss. There's a lot of money in doing things that most people are scared to do, even when there's nothing to be scared of. That's as long as you do things like they're supposed to be done. Every time a diver dies in the gulf, guys quit, and my salary goes up. This is the first time in a while I lost someone on my team but it wasn't surprising. Marty was always reckless and lazy. He'd skip equipment checks in the morning, stuff like that. It's not like he deserved to die, but it's just a natural consequence of not doing your job right. The only weird thing is his body hasn't come up yet. Usually they come up after a few days, after the gases release out of them. Something probably scavenged on him. There's plenty of barracuda and little sharp-nosed sharks that cruise at that depth. I get to the dock early before anyone and start pulling gear out of the shed. I'm the lead diver, and I'm responsible for everything, I guess. But they're all adults who've been trained and gone through diving school. Once we're in the water, we know we're on our own for the most part. Holly shows up and nods. She starts topping off her tanks. Craig comes with coffee from Stripes, and we sit there and take sips and don't say a lot. It's just past 5 a.m., and it's still totally dark out. We wait to put our suits on until we get to the rig. We load everything onto the dinghy. We're waiting for Walt, and my phone starts buzzing in my pocket. It's him and he says he can't come in. I have to remind him there's no special days here. We go back and forth, and I say if he can't show up for work, he's going to have every day off from here on out. He sighs and says he's on his way. When we see his truck pull in, he calls for me and waves at me to come over to him on the dock. Just tell me, I say, but he says he needs to talk to me alone. He's a big guy, 6'3", but he's the biggest wimp here. Jesus Christ, I say. We're behind schedule. He tells me he's sorry, but that we need to talk. He helps me onto the dock, and we walk out of earshot from Holly and Craig. Walt says, Okay, so, you know how Marty was working on bottom last week? I nod. 
He was working on cleaning the transducers and reinforcing them, keeping them in place. It's an old rig. It needs constant work. They're probably going to topple it soon. That's what they do when they decide to build a new one. They send us down there, and we basically cut it down at the bottom. Walt is looking out over the water and says, After we came up, Mary told me he saw something. Like what? I asked. He looks back at the dinghy, like he's scared they'll hear. Then he spoke again. He said it was something like an animal. I laugh. <laughs> well, there's animals in the ocean. Not like this. He jumped back in. He said it was big. Real big. He holds out his arms and continues. He said it had these long tentacles, like an octopus. I rolled my eyes. There you go, an overgrown octopus. He shakes his head and looks down. I can't go down there. Something's fucked up. I tell him what I told him before. It's not even like we have to go that deep. Some rigs are a thousand miles off the coast, and divers have to sit in a pressurized chamber for days before diving because they're going so deep. We don't have to worry about that. It's basically just a bay, I say. There's nothing that big that comes this close to the shore. He doesn't say anything, so I start walking back to the boat, but he doesn't follow me. He came up too fast and blacked out. Simple bonehead mistake, I say. You have to come up slow so you don't depressurize too fast and pass out. Come on, I say. Walt shook his head. Not on the bottom, though. He's gotta go on the bottom. Everyone else is wrapped up in other shit. I tell him the discussion is over, and he eventually follows me into the boat. I didn't realize how much babysitting I'd have to do after I got bumped up to lead. I start the boat engine, and we head toward the rig. It's only about a mile out. It just takes five minutes. The foreman is looking down at us from the rig when we get to the attached diving platform. We've been on this contract for months, and I know him pretty well. We have to work around their drilling schedule. He says we've got plenty of time. They don't need to start for another three hours or so. He knows what happened to Marty, but he doesn't say anything. He understands. We get suited up and I tell Walt to do his safety checks. That's all he's got to worry about. He kisses that gold cross he wears around his neck. I think about telling him that Jesus can't save him down there. He can't swim. Only knows how to walk on water. I shouldn't mess with him today, though. We set our weight belts depending on how deep we're going and jump in. We start our descent and wave bye to Holly. She's on top, only about 25 feet down. What we're doing is cutting out bolts and big screws and replacing them all the way down to the drill bit. They're old and weak and could break. Everything's all rusted over, so we gotta cut them out with a welding stick and replace them. Craig 
is next at a hundred feet. And then it's just me and Walt. It's getting colder and darker until it's damn near pitch black besides the few feet in front of our headlamps. Visibility's bad in the gulf no matter where you are. The water is brown and dirty. You can't rely on sight. Just gotta develop a sixth sense where you just know where you're at in the water. After about 120 feet, you don't float anymore and the pressure of the water starts pushing you down. I let it take me down to about 220 feet, then hook myself to the casing. That's how a lot of inexperienced scuba divers die. They get turned around and can't tell which way is up and which way is down. They think they'll just see which way they float, like that must be the way to the surface. But it's the opposite. They end up swimming deeper into the abyss. I know Walt is directly below, 80 feet down, because I can see his bubbles coming up. I cut out each screw and replace them one at a time so we don't risk stability. I take my time using what's basically just a waterproof power screwdriver. Once you've been doing this for a while, it's just like any other job. People don't believe me when I tell them it gets boring. Walt must have finished near the drill bit and come up a few feet on the other side because I can't see his bubbles anymore. I work my way up, cutting and replacing, rinse and repeat. I finish up and head up to 100 feet and wait there 15 minutes to decompress. I do the same thing at 50 feet before resurfacing. Holly and Craig are already on the platform with their helmets off. I climb up and take mine off. The sun has come out, and I lay down and take it in. Walt should be up in the next 20 minutes or so. It's not an uncommon thing to take a nap on the platform. The overhang gives us shade, and fatigue from swimming sneaks up on you. I wake up with Holly. She tells me that Walt hasn't come up yet, and it's been a half an hour. I sit up and stretch. Eh, I have it another ten minutes. He's still decompressing. He's still got air for another hour, but Holly's pacing around the platform with her hands on her hips. She tells me she's sorry, but she's going to go check on him. I can go with you, Craig says. Jesus Christ. All right, I say. Calm down. I'll go down there. Holly has the fullest tanks, so I take those and get back in. I go steady and follow the rig straight down and start seeing his bubbles at about 200 feet. I don't see him yet, though. He must have totally got caught up in the work and lost track of time. After what I told him about awareness. I go all the way down to the drill bit and see bubbles coming from the floor. I still don't see Walt, though. There's something white or gray. It's hard to see. I don't want to step on it, so I stay swimming right above. I reach out and touch it, and there's a puff of red and a shriek. It's a dolphin, 
a little bottlenose dolphin about six foot. It can't swim off for some reason. I get up closer, my mask almost touching its skin, and there's all these thin tears all up and down its body. It's dying, letting out the last of its air. Something got a hold of it, but didn't take anything to eat. We get some bigger sharks here, tiger sharks and bull sharks, but they would have taken a big chunk out. Walt, I gotta find him. He couldn't have gone far. I circle around the drill with about a 10-foot radius. I can't see anything, so I just keep turning left and waving my arms around. I check my tank and I still have 20 minutes before I need to start my ascent. I'm starting to think something is fucked. Really fucked. Maybe Marty really did see something. I'm just swimming around. I'm, I'm not sure which direction I'm going. I stop. I'm breathing hard and wasting a lot of gas. Panicking doesn't help anything, and it's the worst thing you can do in the water. He could be okay, but having some gear problems. I take long, slow breaths and swim in slow strokes. I'm not sure where the rig is anymore. Walt might have gone back up without me seeing him somehow. I take out my welding stick and get it sparking so it cuts through the darkness and he'll be able to see me. I check my gas gauge again. Only eight minutes left. I'm burning through it like crazy, but it's hard to get my breathing under control. Just then, I feel something on my leg and jump. It's grabbing my ankle. Walt, it has to be. I try to pull him toward me, but he pulls back harder and drags me. He's grabbing and thrashing, panicking maybe. Something hits my helmet hard and shakes me up. It's stuck to my face mask and I can't see. It's white, pure white. I try to pull it, but it won't come off. It's like a suction cup. It's a sucker, like on an octopus. This ain't Walt. It's got me by the ankle and the head at the same time. How goddamn big is this thing? I gotta head up. It's dragging me around and flipping me upside down. I don't know where I am. I remember I still have my stick in my hand. I jab it out in front of me, but there's nothing there. I stab it in the tentacle on my face and the suckers come off. I wipe the mask with my other hand, but it's covered in yellow slime. It still has my ankle and is yanking it like it wants to tear it off. I'm swiping at it with a stick but can't reach. It gets my arm and I drop the stick. Shit. It pulls me, then I can see through the slime on my mask, inches from my face. Two long rows of jagged teeth. It's trying to stuff me in its mouth. It gets my left leg too, and all I have is my left arm. I push against its mouth, but it's too slimy, and my hand keeps slipping. I hear its teeth scraping against my helmet, and my mask smashes up on the inside of his mouth. Dark pink flesh. I start grabbing at the flesh with my free hand, twisting it, trying to tear it. But it just makes it matter. 
Then, I remember the power screwdriver. It's on my right thigh. It pulled my leg in, and the teeth get past the tanks and go through my suit, digging into my stomach and lower back. I scream into my mouthpiece. It pushes me in more and bites into my thigh. The pain shoots up my body. My gas is almost out. I'm fading. My right arm is free now, and I reach down and undo the button of the tool holster. I grab it and squeeze it with both hands. I pull the trigger down and can't tell if it's working because of all the thrashing around. My head is banging around in my helmet. I start stabbing randomly into flesh and hear a scream that shocks me and hurts my ears. I damn near drop the tool. The tentacles have my legs again and it rips me out of its mouth. I'm back in the water. I look down at my stomach and I'm spilling out blood. I get a decent look at this thing. It's got tentacles coming from everywhere. Its head isn't round like an octopus. It's this long white bulb. Its mouth opens wide again and I'm ready to get it again with the screwdriver. It doesn't grab me though. Something is coming out. It's big and black and all this brown puke comes out with it. My headlamp shines off of something. A face mask. I reach out and grab him, grab the helmet and pull his mask up to mine. I see the gold cross, but his face isn't right. The color too pale. I can tell by his eyes that he's gone. I feel faint and I let him slip out of my hands. My eyes want to close, but I have to stay awake. There's no gas. I have to go up. I have to stay calm. I start swimming up. I suck for air, but it's just my own breath recycled again. Just keep moving my arms steady. It's okay if I pass out at the surface as long as Holly and Craig see me and pull me out. People can do incredible things to survive. My eyes are closed and I'm someplace else, moving away. But my arms keep moving. It can't be far now. I keep going. Then I run into something. My arms hit it, then my helmet. I open my eyes, but there's no light. It's pitch black and I can't see a thing. <laughs>